thank you for joining Legion of Writers podcast. Uh, this is L.E. Perez, and today I'm interviewing romance writer Carrie Evelyn. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you write. I introduced you as a romance author, so tell us yes. a little bit. I've been writing my whole life, as most writers will say, but it, it's true. You, you can't help not write when you're a writer. Um, and so I started with stories and poems and drawings and maps and all kinds of stuff when I was a kid. And I was the kid like who would, who, who would take notes from books. So I would read this book about witches and I would like keep my own spell book. I'd copy all the spells that were in the book and then I'd make my own. Um, my grandfather would not accept a store-bought gift ever. So I had to get creative over the years, and I've, I've written poems, comic books, all kinds of things just, just to make him happy. So for 30-something years, I was writing stories and making crafts and basically getting my creative out in the gifts from my grandfather three times a year. So Christmas, birthday, and Father's Day, like he would not accept anything store-bought unless it was beer. <laughs> so when I got older, <laughs> if I was short on time, I'd bring him some beer. Um, but yeah, Or Jack Daniels. He was big Jack Daniels. Anyway. Um, so I've, I've been writing all the time and actually I can actually, this is so funny. I can actually reach this. Um, my bookcase is right over here and this is preserved. This is the first book I ever wrote. I don't know if I've ever shown this. No. Um, but, um, this, is mistake. this was published when I was a freshman in high school. My, wow. my English teacher, um, she, she, I wrote a story and she was like, this should be a kid's book. And we had a daycare at our school. And so, um, it was really cool. And then she's like, I've got the perfect illustrator for you. And so this, you know, I'm working on, uh, on the story and the illustrator's working on the illustrations. And when it all came together, we, we, we realized who each other was. And it was my, my friend Cindy, who we, we cheered together. Like we were both cheerleaders on the cheer squad. And um, we didn't know that the other was working on the, um, on the book. So That's awesome. the way it hey. came together, like it's about a little fairy who doesn't have any friends and she sees, you know, all the, all the other kids oh, getting wow. attention. And so she decides, maybe I need to wear makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, she goes a little overboard. And um, it, it's it's really kind of fun. So you've been writing forever. Forever, yeah. Um, and the moral Hold of the story is... Second. Can you turn your volume down just a hair? Because um, I'm getting an echo. Oh, um... So my hearing volume or my, I don't, is that different from the speaking volume? Your hearing volume, probably. Okay. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, that sounds better. Okay. That is at 71. So that's good go. to know. Um, I know. I always have to turn it down here as well. So okay. let me ask you. So yep. you've been writing forever. You, you've made homemade gifts. You, when I talk to you, whenever I have spoken to you about writing, um, and I've known you for several years now. Yes. You get so animated. I thought I was the only nerd that got really worked up about writing and stories and, and making stuff up and this, that, and the other, but you match me. And, and I love that because there's an energy there that's not always there for a lot of writers. So I know it takes a lot to do this. And I see behind you, uh, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, I'm also going to be putting this up on YouTube. Um, so you can see visually, but behind Carrie, you have your banner that says Carrie Evelyn. And I see your, your uh, logo there is a swan, correct? Yes. And you have your books up there. So why a swan? 
All right. So my grandmother, Evelyn, was my very best friend in the world. Um, I spent my first five years with her while my mom and dad went to work and I would go to her house every day. I didn't go to preschool. I went, I went to Graham's house. And so, like I said, my very best friend. And she stayed my best friend up until when she died um, in January of 2017. And in January of 2017, I was working on my first book. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I read parts of it to her. Um, and she was so proud of me. And she, her and my grandpa always were like, you can do whatever you want to do. And here, we'll give you money to help, which was amazing. Because um, I had a lot of hobbies over the years. You know, as with, like mm. most creatives, we flit in and out of projects and business yeah. ideas. And, you know, I... I was a scrapbooker and then I sold skincare. I sell essential oils. Like um, we're motivated by many different things that allow us to express our creative. And I'm also a teacher. So I love teaching classes. So teaching scrapbook classes, teaching oil classes, teaching skincare classes, all this stuff allowed me to express my creative when I otherwise couldn't do it or didn't know how. And Graham was just, she, she was everything to me and her, thing was a swan. She loved swans more than, I mean, it was, she loves, her whole house was full of swans. Wow. So I, when I was looking for a pen name, I chose Evelyn. My middle name is Lynn. So it's not too far off. It's so fun. My grandmother is Evelyn. My mom is Judith Lynn. I am Carrie Lynn and my daughter is Kaylin. So, you know, I'm hoping Kaylin will continue that if she has a little girl or Nicholas, but um, anyway, so it wasn't too far of a jump to go from Carrie Lynn to Carrie Evelyn. And so by having her name in print and the swan, I'm reminded every day of her and the impact she has has had on my life, even though she's she's gone and didn't see me um, uh, publish my first book, unless you count like, you know, Misty's Mistaken, several wow. uh, other so, homemade anthologies. I, so I, I will say, I know she sees it. Oh, yeah. I know she sees it, and oh, I'm, I'm sure she's very proud of you. You've come so far, and yeah. and so quickly, and you've you've managed to. Um, since I know the business side of you as well, you've managed to learn as much as you can to advance in this business. So, but right now you are independently published, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, what would you say is your favorite thing to write? Because I know, even though I announced you as a romance author, I also have snagged you for some thriller anthologies, uh, and now you've written in Cat's Paw Cove as well. So you're you're dabbling in different things now. Uh, what's the most fun that you've had writing? Honestly, anything that allows me to just be goofy, um, <laughs> it makes me so happy. So, for example, um, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, but there's um, that third book on the top row, Love Overrules the Lawyer, there's a couple yeah. doing the tango on the cover. Yeah. So I got really creative with that book. There is a puckwudgie in that book and fairies with attitude and cats that can talk. And, you know, just I, I always thought I would write for children. And so when my first book came out, that's the one next to my shoulder, Love on the Edge with the right there. Uh -huh. um, I, I didn't know that was in me. Like that is it's romance, it's suspense. Um, there's some inspira there's an inspirational element to it. Um, and I just, I didn't know where it came from. I thought I was going to write historical fiction when I started writing a grown up book and then, or military fiction. Cause I, I just, 
my, my grandpa, actually a lot of family members were in the military and I just, I, I feel connected to that. Um, and then that came out and I was like, where did this come from? But I realized that connecting with people is what I want to do. So I want to connect with people. I want to, I want to help them escape somewhere. And if they've got some kind of problem or they feel stuck, I want to show them through characters how to get unstuck and maybe not, this is how you do it, but this is what the characters did. You know, you are made for more, go find it, get started, you know? And so if I can add talking cats or, you know, magical creatures to that or make it into a ghost story, I'm a big Nancy Drew fan and I love ghost stories, little mysteries, that kind of thing, then that's what I want to do. Ultimately, I want to entertain and, and make people think a little bit like, huh, well, while this is fiction, how can I apply what they're doing um, to make my life even more rich? So let me ask you, you right now, so even though, like I said, I introduced you as a romance author because at the core of most of your story there's there's a theme of romance yeah you like happily ever afters like i, I do. do um happily for now eh, you know but i i know that that's part of it um but um where do you how, how do i say this how do you keep your world straight because like me sometimes you're working on multiple projects and it's kind of hard to 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 keep those things straight in your head so what yeah. do you do well I connect everything. I try to connect everything in some way so that readers who like my characters can find the secondary characters somewhere else. Um, and so I have a big, huge, I have a big, huge Bible, um, series Bible, and every book is color coded. So, um, so for example, with my cranes, I started with my cranes cove series Mm -hmm. and all the basic world building elements, everything you meet about every character is in that document in black with love on the rocks. The second one, you'll see the, the brick red strip across the top. Everything is red. Okay. For love on the beach, it's Brown. Okay. Love on the ice is blue because at the time it was hockey and blue represents water, that kind of thing. Um, a night at the inn, which is my Lizzie Borden story. This one's green. So anything about those stories are just added to the world in those colors. When I started Cat's Paw Cove, I was like, this is a different series, but the characters are from Crane's Cove or, you know, offshoots of Crane's Cove. So this couple here, this is Matt and Lainey. They're the main couple in this book, but two and a half years later. And so I highlighted, I, I used the same colors, black, but I highlighted in yellow. Rachel is Matt's cousin and Damon's sister. So that's also highlighted because it's Cat's Paw Cove, but it's in a different color because to just to designate that it's from a different book. And so this document is like hundreds, over a hundred pages now. And, you know, I keep wow. track of things like mug sayings and Bible verses and quotes from the Iliad and all that stuff in this document. So, so your series Bible is basically your everything Bible. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. That that's uh, that's pretty cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I don't think I ever specifically asked you that question. No, I didn't even and know I, that. you know, I've given a workshop on how to organize your world and stuff, but I've really with this with this new series, I've really had to take it to another level because there's so much crossover. Mm -hmm. Um it's 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 mind-boggling and so I needed to have it in a document that I could search so as I get ready to write the fourth Cranes Cove book next week um 
I am searching for keywords for the, those main characters who have already appeared in other places and other series. That's outstanding. So, so let me ask you, do you have this in print or digital or both? Um, it's most of it is digital, but I print out things as I go. So for example, the, the suites, the penthouse suites at the cliff walk resort, um, are actually Disney cruise cabins. And so oh, wow. I printed okay. that out and put that in a binder so that I just, I have to be visual. And if I'm not creating it, I have to print it out from somewhere else. Every apartment, every house, every cabin, every location is something I've either sketched out or I, it's a place I've been to. So I know how to get around. So that way when the characters are there, I can be actually in that place with them. Okay. So I don't but those feel- printouts are there. I don't feel as goofy now because I know some folks take their, their Bible writing for their stories, their series, Bible stories, Bible um, to the next level. But like, I thought I was weird because I had different, different things like psychological for like my killers and my, this, like I, I have like my, all my psychological, my psychological documentation to warrant this or warrant that I have location stuff. I have some of my far out, you know, paranormal stuff in a day. Okay. So I don't feel so bad. No, I, and I know oh. you use notebooks, right? You've got, yes, I have my notebooks. Yeah. And, so and I use binders. I have a binder for every project. Um, I, I use highlighters I, I would, to check off things that I've used. I need to go to a binder. I, I really do need to go to a binder so that I can, you know, change things out. Um, but I carry things, you know, you've seen me. I, I yeah. always have a notebook with me. Yeah. You know, each notebook is a different story, uh, unless I get crazy in that one big one that I have that has two stories going in opposite <laughs> directions, which is not a good thing. But um, wow. Okay. So what did you find the most challenging about linking all of that? Or is it not a challenge and does it just flow freely? It's not a challenge at all. So um, it, it's what I wanted to do when I set out writing well, after I realized I was going to write more than one book. Um, had I realized that I was going to write more than one book when I was writing the first book, I would have done a few things a little bit differently. Of course. But, um, once I started writing the second, I realized I needed to keep track of this information. And so, um, oh my gosh, I lost your question. What did you ask? <laughs> Squirrels in my head so, everywhere. It seems like it's really a natural flow for you. I yeah. asked you okay. if, it, if it was natural or if it was something that you had to really think about. And you said that it was a natural thing. Yes. So years ago, um, I'm sorry, that's my alarm. Years ago, um, I picked up a book off the table at BJ's um, by Mariah Stewart. I had never read her before, but I had read every book by every author I wanted to read. And I was looking for a new author and this book caught my attention. Um, And I realized after I read it, because it wasn't labeled, um, (laughs) that it was the fifth book in her Chesapeake Diary series. I did the same thing. Uh-huh. I did the same thing with the Otto Harrington series. And it was the same thing. It was a standalone, but it was the fifth book in the series. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes. Okay. Yep. Very cool. So I picked it up and then I realized it was part of something bigger. So I went back and I read the first four books. Well, in the first book, the characters come from another series. So then I had to read that series and that was an FBI series. <laughs> so she has, um, the two, she has the seven shields, which is, um, they're all FBI agents. They're cousins, brothers, sisters, but there's seven of them, the seven shields. So each shields, their last, that's their last name has a book. 
over two series. So I read those. And then that those series brought me back to another series, which brought me back to another series. I spent a whole year reading over 30 books by Mariah Stewart. And I was like, if I ever write a book, I'm going to connect all my stuff because I love how I can find out how different characters are doing, how I can find origin stories of the others. And they're well, just all connected. And so when I got back to, down to her very, what? Pulled that string and you just followed it. You just, yeah, that's exactly right. That down to the first book, which didn't relate to anything moments in time, but it was still a great book on its own. Um, but I was like, I have to do this because I love it when authors do it. Kat Mazzara does that. <coughs> she interweaves yeah. several different series and it, it, it's, I've read in the last, it, it took me about a six months to nine months or so to catch up on all her books because I read them so fast. Um, because I want to know what's going on with these characters that I've already met that I'm invested in that are now living in my head. And that's my goal. Like I want my characters to live in other people's head. I want to write them so richly that, you know, when people pick up a Carrie Evelyn book, they're like, Oh, what new friends am I going to meet today? What friends am I going to catch up with? And if I can add magic to that or romance or a ghost story or, you know, a children's story, um, and tie in other age levels in the house and, you know, I, I, I'm, look, I'm thinking big picture. I want everyone to want to go to Crane's Cove someday, you know, and, and because it's a beautiful area in Maine. It's, I made up the town, but it's basically I took a chunk of Winter, winter um, Harbor, right by Bar Harbor, Harbor and I, I constructed the cove to make a heart-shaped cove, and there's a little jetty that comes out in the middle, and um, it, it's, it's just it's, – the world is being built out from there, and from there we go to Savannah, we go to Catspaw Cove, Florida, we go to all kinds of places, but the heart of it is back in Crane's Cove. Wow, that's outstanding. And you're from up north, right? Yes. You're from yes. Boston? South of Boston. Um, okay. okay, so – this is Mass. Well, let me see if I can fit it on the screen. This is Massachusetts, right? I'm from the armpit. <laughs> You're from the armpit of Massachusetts. I am equal distance <laughs> between Cape Cod and Providence, Rhode Island, right on the south coast, Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Um, I, University I've, of Massachusetts, I've, Dartmouth. Is I've there. never heard it referred to that way, but okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yep. Uh, my friend Roxanne made that up. I think. I think that was Roxanne. She she should be a writer. She's got all these crazy ideas, and and they just make you laugh. But um, whether she heard it or made it up herself, that's where I got it from. And um, yeah, no, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Um, our town is. It's a small town, but there's like thirty something people. But it feels small because it's all like Route Six is our main drag. You know, Route Six goes. Um, gosh, I don't even know where it starts, but it ends um, Cape Cod. So Route Six is like our, it's like our, it's like our uh, State Road 50 here in Orlando. Like everything is off. Route everything Six. is off of that. Yes, and so it, it's just a very small, small area, you know. And there are places in my stories that I have, uh, like the Buttonwood Park Zoo, which is a neighboring city of New Bedford, that is mentioned in the story. Um, a lot of my favorite places are I've incorporated into my books. And so if anyone ever goes up to New England, like, like literally I could give a tour for days of all the places that I've mentioned and all the places that I love and writing those books helps with, you know, homesickness and missing my family and all that kind of stuff. I don't ever want to live there again. Um, snow, ice, cold, all that stuff. <laughs> but I love going back to visit. It's such a such a rich area. And when I was a kid, and even as an adult, we have gone up to New Hampshire and Maine a lot. Um, it's just, 
it's a whole other world up there too, away from the hustle and bustle. And I mean, you find all kinds of storybook like places up there and it's, uh, it's just a great place to escape. And I've, I, like I said, I spent a lot of time there when I was younger and I, you know, keep going back there as much as I can as an adult. Outstanding. So beside your life as a writer and your life as a mom, um, what else do you do? <laughs> um, oh my gosh, I do a lot of things, you know, most, right, well, not right now, but, <laughs> um, but before, before the quarantine, I was driving my kids around to a lot of places. You know, my, my daughter is an all-star cheer um, and she's also in theater. And so that takes up a lot of my time. Um, I help in the costume department um, at, at theater. I, I have a design in, in fashion, a, back, a fashion design background. I, act, I made my prom dress and a whole bunch of other things when I was in high school, quilts, overcoats, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, part, again, part of the creative, you know, but once I learned what it entailed to be a fashion designer, I didn't want to be a starving artist. <laughs> Isn't that funny now? Because, like, writing is just the same way. Um, well, yeah. So I love kids. I love being creative. I love making bulletin boards and, and doing art projects with the kids and writing stories specifically for kids to their interests. So I became an elementary school teacher and I had so much fun doing that. Um, and I wrote a lot of stories for the kids because the textbook stories, while they're, you know, the Newbery and Caldecott award winners, yeah. they bore yeah. the kids to tears. You know, there's great lessons to be learned. Sure. There are, you know, I mean, they check all the boxes of what makes a great piece. However, a kid wants to be entertained and they're going to learn better if they're entertained. So I wrote stories about Pokemon and, you know, whatever, you know, American Girl and Lala Loopsie and My Little Pony and all this stuff. And that continued when I started homeschooling my own kids. And so my stories were always so much more exciting because I was teaching the same skills through something they were interested in. So they wanted exactly. to learn it. Exactly. So you run a, you run a group right now, don't you? A, a writing group? Um, several actually. Um, but I, I do have, um, I, I sponsor the, the writing club at my uh, creative writing club at my daughter's school. Okay. Um, it's seventh through 12th graders and we're, we're just getting started. Um, we don't have a lot of time. We only have about our, our meetings are like 30 minutes every, you know, once a week because it's before school. Sure. Um, sure. We don't have a lot of time, but I've been bringing in guest speakers because I think before they decide what they want to write or how they want to go about it, they need to learn the business aspect of it. You know, no one, no one is going to look at what you wrote if it's not formatted properly or if it's not submitted in a certain way or, you know, you're using passive voice when you should be using active voice. Exactly. And so all of these things, before you even, before you develop months or years of your life to a project... I, I want them to know that what's expected, you know, whether they go traditional or indie, um, just because you're a great storyteller doesn't mean your story is going to be readable. Exactly. And so I, you know, you could get A's in English and do all these wonderful things. I mean, I taught elementary school writing for almost 20 years. And then when I started writing fiction, I had to unlearn everything I learned or taught kids because it's very different. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're checking boxes like in elementary school writing, we're checking boxes. Yep. I got an LY opener. Yep. I've got a prepositional phrase. Yep. I've got dialogue tags because said is dead. And in fiction writing, it's the opposite. So I had to untrain myself while still teaching my kids to do these other things. To do the proper and so way. it's, it, it's it's hard to do that. And so it, it can be crushing to a student 
you know, when their work is rejected, but if they know why, you know, they can learn, they can, they can learn how to write to what people are expecting. Because even if, if you don't, it doesn't mean be, you have to be formulaic. It just means you have to write in a way that people are going to be entertained. Well, you, you write, well, it depends on, on where you're coming from too. You write to your audience. So right. if you're writing, if you're writing just for you, then you're not expecting anyone else to read it. But right. if you're expecting an audience and you're writing a young adult book, but you really want to push it towards a different audience, then your language has to be different. Right. Yes. So. And I think that's the dream of every writer is to be published and well-known and to impact lives. And in order to do that, you, you've got to know what readers are expecting at that level. And sometimes you get the unexpected and you hit a, a point where you didn't realize that they were expecting that and they got something out of it that you never planned. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's the plus, right? That's the yeah. plus side of, of being an author. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So your family inspires you, your, 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 your neighborhood, where you've come from, locales inspire you. What else inspires you for stories? Is it just the topic or do you suddenly, you know, look at something and you get an idea or do you have to work at it? Um, kind of both. So I, I look at relationships. I look at people. I was, I was doing some kind of reflect, some kind of reflection a couple weeks ago. And I realized that in all of my stories, most of them anyway, the Cranes Cove, Cat's Paw Cove, um, my hockey story, um, it's all about people who feel that they're stuck. And when they meet that one person, that one person together helps them get unstuck. And so I, looking back, that's kind of what happened in my own life. You know, like I was stuck in a rut. I had taught for two years up in Massachusetts, fourth grade. I felt so stuck. And I was like, what do I do to go to the next level? Like I could spend the rest of my life doing this and being in this place, but I don't want to. And I had always had this idea in my head that I was going to live in Florida and the opportunity presented itself. I moved here. I wasn't going to stay very long. I was just going to stay for a year or two, maybe get my master's degree and go back home. And three weeks in, I met my husband and I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for a relationship, nothing. It's just, we, we connected on a level that I, I can't even explain because he drives me insane my first impression of him was he was the most annoying person I've ever met. And how could anyone even be friends with him? Because he was just so annoying. But then um, we ended up having the second time I met him, we ended up having a ton of fun at a party. And I was like, he's so fun. You know, I totally misjudged him, but it was just that first impression that was like, Oh my God. He, he introduced himself to me as Guadalupe Fernando Hernandez. I knew his name was Anthony. And I'm like, what? I don't even, I don't get that. He's like, oh yeah, it's just some Guadalupe Fernando Hernandez. I'm like, uh, I did hear you were from Miami, but I don't, but that's, that's not what they're calling you. <laughs> so like, uh, so I didn't know. I like, I, he, anyway, he's, anyway, like I had, I had no idea, like anything. Um, and it just threw me off and he asked for hugs and he was offering me candy all night at the movies. And I'm like, would you just turn around and watch the movie? Cause he was in front of me with other people. It was a, it was a group kind of thing. And I was like, I, I just, I didn't understand it. And it was just, I was so annoyed anyway. So he thought I was the biggest witch in the world, the biggest witch. Like he almost didn't come to my roommate's birthday party the next night because he was afraid of me. And I was like, okay, wow. well we just totally got off on the wrong foot. 
Um, and then we, we just ended up, um, we ended up talking and, and just having a great time. We have a, we both have a weird sense of humor. Um, his is weirder yeah. than mine. Um, and I don't always get it. Like I can't always read him when he's kidding or not still after 18 years, I can't, I don't know sometimes when he's kidding. Um, but it just, <laughs> it just, it just kind of happened, you know? And it's like, Oh, I don't want to like you, but I love you, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens in my stories. You know, it's none of the, none of the stories are based on our relationship, but it's that I was stuck. I met him. And then like, I, I could totally be myself with him. So I could totally be myself and everything else. I got this confidence that I didn't have before, you know, and I was very confident. Okay, I, so this is a whole other level. So let me ask you. Uh-huh. You have a tagline. I am working on a new one actually. Okay. Um, but yes. So I have it. Let me see if I can find it in my phone. It's it's not completely perfectly crafted yet. Okay. Um but what is the general idea? Because you're talking about being stuck and then getting unstuck once yes, you find that's romance. part of it. That's part of it. Okay. Um, All right. I don't want to mess it up, so I'm gonna find it. No, 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 not a problem. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to ask you, um, do you have, besides Cat Mazzara, besides Cat Mazzara, do you have a writing role model? A writing role model. And if you don't, that's okay. I, I just, I, I am, um, if you've ever done the Clifton Strengths Finder test, you get your top five strengths. And mine are um, input, learner, content focus and positivity. Okay. So I crave information and I'm constantly learning. And so I pull things from everybody and I try to find a way to make it work for me. And so, you know, I, I dream of writing descriptions like Lucy Maud Montgomery. You know, I've been to Prince Edward Island twice, all based on the fact that I was reading her Anne of Green Gables books. And then I had to read all her other books because I just wanted to be lost in Prince Edward Island. Um, I want to write dialogue that's snappy and funny. Um, so authors who do that well. Um, I just I have so many favorite authors that, oh my gosh, and you're one of them too. I love reading your stuff. It's so just it puts me right there. And that's what I want to do. You know, I want to put I want to put the reader right there and I want them to keep turning pages, whether it's a romance that they're swooning over, or it's an action scene that they're like, Oh, my God, what happens next? Or it's magic. And they're like, what is that cat gonna say next? And why is that fairy yelling at that lady? Well, I'll say this. Thank you very much for the compliment. But having read most of your stories, like, I love the way you write. And the oh. fact is that you don't write steamy, you write inspirational. And, and so I normally shy away from that. Um, and not for any given reason, just because of sometimes the way it's written, but mm -hmm. you don't write it that way. I and, appreciate that. And you tie in, you tie in faith in a way that works, that works for your characters, works for the story setting mm -hmm. and works for the outcome. And it's rare to find that. So, and, and I, I, so I enjoy that. Thank you. It's, it's hard to market a book when, when you've got so many different elements, but ultimately my faith journey has just been so strange, but like, I, I am a massive contradictions. You know me personally, and you know my author persona and you know what I write and you're like, how is this all the same person sometimes? <laughs> and it's just, I, 
I've had a lot of experiences and I'm just being true to myself. So I like to keep one, one foot in the popular culture world and one foot in my faith. And so I think that's, I'm, I'm not so much into one world or the other that it comes out one or the other. It's just, no. it's ingrained in me and people don't like to be preached to. So when people hear the word inspirational, they're like, Oh, I get that on Sunday at church. I get enough of that. I don't want to no, do that. I want to be entertained when I read, not, but that's not what you write. No, it's not, not but it scares people away from my stuff. Yeah, so, and that's um, why I introduce you as a romance author yes. because you are ultimately your stories are about happily ever after yes. and how they get there. Everybody is an individual. You know, yes, and definitely. And maybe not, but it's, it's, it's all about the romance. Everybody has some kind of faith, whether oh, yeah. it's a religious faith or you know, in something. And sure. so we, we draw on that when we're scared, when we need hope, mm-hmm. when we need, when we need something more, we draw on faith. And if we have zero faith, that's when we really start to sink. And so whatever your faith is, or um, if you want to learn how to develop a faith, you know, reading my books will help give you some suggestions on how to do that, but not in a way that's instructive. Oh, or, no. you know, I just don't no. throw Bible verses in there just to have them there. Yeah, no. You know, and that, that's what I'm saying is like, I, yeah. I read a wide variety of things. And when I read, mm-hmm. when I first read yours, you know, um, your very first one, you know, we actually talked about your yeah. very first scene and all that. And you, you revise it, you revamped it and stuff. And mm-hmm. I knew what I was getting into when I read it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't disappointed. Like, I honestly, I expected to be preached at, and I wasn't. And it was such a nice surprise that when you you asked me to look at the second one, I was like, yes, you know, I, w- I was okay with it, you know. And then I, I'm fine with it because it's it's a it's a joy to read. It's a, it's a fun. I'm so glad. It's a fun thing to read. Ups and downs, conflict and everything. It's a, it's a it's a romance. Yeah, well, it helps too, I think, to have some really strong secondary characters. So Mima is the character who is going to throw out those verses and tell you exactly what she's thinking. If you take all four Golden Girls and wrap them into one, you've got Mima. You know, and she's just, she's that force that I added in at the end of the first book just because I, I needed a character to remind her grandson to go to church. You know, just because he's he's Southern and stuff, and that that was big with her, and you know, I just I wanted to throw that in, um, and also to bring up an engagement ring for, and so, but it, she ended up being such a standout character that my fans wanted her in every story, and she's yeah. in just about every story, good because she's such a dynamic force, and people yeah, look forward be. to her. They and love her more than my other characters, and I, you know, I do too because she's but great because she's your Mima. Yeah. Well, she's not my Mima. My, my, my grandmother was very different. Um, but there are elements in her that, um, you know, I pulled from each of my grandmothers and also, from, like to. I said, from the Golden Girls. Cause, you it's know, a, they're it's a, it's, but it's a personal connection for you. It correct? is. And everybody has a, not everybody, but most people have a personal connection to someone in their lives who is older, whether it's a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or, or even a teacher that has been this person to them. And yeah. so they connect. And if they don't, they're like, man, I wish I had someone like that in my life. And, and they can get that reading the books. Yeah. It's funny. I actually had a conversation with my mom day before yesterday and we were talking about, cause she writes, I've told you that yep. she's written, you know, for 80 years and stuff. And, and I write and, um, and I told her, I don't know why we got onto the topic, but I said, you do realize that you're the mom in beauty of fear. And she goes, what? I was like, yeah. 
you didn't approve, but you threw me in there. And then at the end, you loved me anyway. And she was like, that was me. I was like, yes, reread it. That was you. <laughs> so she's like all tickled by that now. She's like, oh, I have to read it again. I have to read it again. Oh, she didn't, it didn't hit her that that was her. So I was like, Gamma, that's you. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I found my tagline that I'm working on. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Tell right, me. I love your feedback or if any of the listeners have feedback. Um, stories about real people teaming up to take on life's challenges and step into their destinies. Okay. And I was trying to craft something that went multi-genre, cross-genre, um, uh -huh. because I do have some children's stories. I have some ghost stories. Sure. Um, and so the real people teaming up to take on challenges and step into their destinies. It's a little, it's a little much right now. I want to tighten it up a little bit. So um, how about, can I offer you a suggestion? Sure. If you just want something short. Sure. How about real people, real destinies? Oh, I like that. I'm going to write that down. I love that. Because I, I get what you're saying, and that's what screamed out at me was real people, real destinies. I like that a lot. That's amazing. High five. Bam. Boom. High five. Sweet. So that's stuff I can come up with. Don't ask me to market my Man, If you need a name or a title for something, I'm good. But blurbs and taglines, that's harder to write than the book. <laughs> Oh, I know. Who, who are you telling? <laughs> well, you Remember? just came up with that super fast. I know, but I can do that. I can, I can do that for other people. I can't do that stuff for myself. <laughs> it's always easier to do it for other people. It I found that too because to you're, not, you're, not as, you're not emotionally involved in it, so you can see it clearly for what it is or what they're trying to say. And You know, it's funny that you say that, though, because I do feel emotionally involved. So every time I interview someone, the reason you had asked me before, about why I started this podcast. Yep. And I've had some other folks ask me. Um, and, you know, I even talked about it a little bit with Jonathan Mayberry. And the biggest thing is, uh, this is for other writers. It's not just for me. Does right. that make sense? Yep. So it's to get some folks need to come out of their shell. Yes. Um, it, to include me. And, but this just makes it easier for us to expose ourselves to other folks mm -hmm. um, without being thrown out into the wild, kind of. Yeah. You know, and it gives all of us a voice. So for me, everyone that I interview, I feel personally connected to um, everyone that I um, that I have contacted or even had an impact on. So like I learned from you and you've learned from me. That makes I it learned so much from you, you know, but that makes it personal. Yeah. You know, I've learned from Raquel. I've learned from John. I sat through a three hour uh, Jonathan Mayberry uh, fight scene thing. I teach fight scenes, yeah. but I know I can always learn and we can always up our game, also, but it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I was like, wow, I actually have the notes for you guys, you know? Awesome. Um, but it's, it's, there's always something to learn. And anytime you learn something from anyone, I think you establish that personal connection. Yeah. Well, I wasn't saying we didn't have a personal emotional connection. I'm just saying like when you look at the written print of somebody no, else, no, no. I know it's not in your head, but yeah, no, this is amazing. Oh, before we forget, I wanted to tell you, I, okay. So all the book conferences, well, not all, but several that I was planning to participate in got canceled yeah. for this summer. And so I ordered some books already. And so I wanted to give away, um, I have, I, I can give away about three copies of love on the ice to your listeners if they're interested. Oh, so wow, let me know how you want to do that or who you want to pick. And I will happily send sure, them out sure. to whoever it's a short story. It's called, it's a novelette because 
Um, it's only maybe 50 pages. And okay. then I've added in um, the first chapter from Love on the Edge after that. That would be great. What I'll do is I'll do a little promo thing on the on the Facebook page and on Instagram. Yeah, you, you know, can, after you listening to us for however like. long, you know, if you they want to get to know me better and, and um, have a chance to win a free book, I'd love to do that. Sure, but you can choose the winner because I put all your tags in there. I put all your information in there. Um, and I want to make sure that, that folks are following you as well. So anyone that follows you basically will be entered. So awesome. You Great. can just track it and then just do it from that. That'll work. But let yeah. me ask you, you, you have the swan. And I, I, I know beforehand we saw the, I saw your necklace. Oh, yep. Um, the necklace. Tell me about this necklace. All right. So, um, so my friend Coley D, she's a, she's a singer, songwriter, musician, performer, um, up in Minnesota. And we were at a conference together and she, we just, we just, we, we really hit it off. She's really sweet. Um, and she, she knows my, my story, my series, all that. And she, I, I wrote a song for Love on the Edge because I couldn't use a real song and I needed the characters to sing karaoke together to get them to hit their first, like, whoa, this could be something moment. And um, she asked me to sing it to her. And I was like, why? She's like, I would love to record that. And oh, I was wow. like, what? And so she's been, she's been working on, um, on, on the tune to it and she's going to, See if she can find someone to do a duet with and and actually like record the song that's in that book. Isn't that amazing? That's really cool. I'm and so excited. Necklace, she gave it to you? She gave it to me. And you know what's funny? She didn't even really know um, the story why I liked the swans when she gave it to me. She just thought it was cute and it reminded her of me. And after the conference, she sent it to me in the mail and I was like, oh my God, Coley, don't you even know what this means? And I'm crying. She's like, no, I just know you like swans. And I was like, what? And I told her about my gram and all that. And, you know, it's two swans and, you know, swans mate for life, you yeah. know, and I like to think my characters will mate for life too. Cause you know, I love happy endings, but not everybody has a happy ending and happy for now is the norm for a lot of people. You know, we have a 50% divorce rate and stuff and yeah. I want, you can find love again. You know, you can, you can, it, it, the world isn't over if, if, if you lose your other swan, you know, and there's, I, you know, my parents have each been married three times and for them third time wow. was a charm. So I believe, you know, in, in love and soulmates and all that stuff, but also there's, you know, there's, there's a time God's timing is just incredible. You know, he brings people to you in your life for a season, sometimes, sometimes for your whole life or how, however long, you need each other. And um, I believe that it's all just just meant to make us who we are and lead us to our, our ultimate destinies. And, you know, writing might be just a season for me. And in this season, I've met some wonderful people who have challenged me in every way. And, you know, if I don't write forever, I still have those lessons and all that love from all the people that I have I have worked with, networked with, become friends with. And if we go separate ways at some point, you know, it's, it, it just enriched my life. And I believe that, you know, that's how all relationships are. Well, your stories do that for a lot of people as well. Thanks. So, and I'm hoping you are working towards eventually doing audiobooks. If there's, I, I've got a <clears throat> funding for that. You know, that's a hard thing. I tried, um, 
was I think it was last year, right after Love on the Rocks came out, I tried um, a, a campaign, a fundraising campaign, and, and it, it didn't make it. Audiobooks are very expensive, um, and I, right now I'm not making enough money to support that. Um, but definitely in the future, I'd love to. I have a narrator that I love. Um, so we need to just actually, get your stuff out there. What? We need to just get your stuff out there. Yeah, well, it, it's I, I'm um, a friend of a friend has someone who's looking to break into audiobooks, and so I've been in contact with him um, to to do one of one of my short stories uh, for for his experience and for for my profit. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll pay him out of the profit strictly. But if more authors were more um, voice actors were willing to work strictly from profit, then without, you know, Amazon owning you for seven years, I think there would be more audiobooks out there because it's very expensive to produce an audiobook. And I'm not a voice actor, and I I wouldn't even want to attempt it. I can read out loud a picture book great. I taught elementary school for several years, and <laughs> I, can, I can entertain a kid for 20 minutes with a picture book and make fake voices and all kinds of goofy things. And But when I'm reading my own stuff or somebody else's prose or, yeah. you know, their novel, I just... I, I don't have, I say I'm um, too much, I sniff. I do all these things that would need some heavy editing. And, you know, I tend to forget voices the longer I read on and <laughs> make different voices for the same character, which doesn't matter to a seven or eight-year-old who's listening to you read. They're just like, they love your animation, they love the pictures, all that. But to sustain a full-length novel, it would, yeah. I definitely need to hire a professional. Definitely. No, I get it. I get it. That's why I haven't, I haven't done mine either. Um, I just... You know, I, I, I'm thinking of doing one of the short stories, like one of the very short stories. Yeah. And, and trying to get that done. But I'm working with my sister right now, who's a voice actor uh, mm -hmm. and an actor. So, okay. um, and we're going to split it. So yep. I told her, you know, 50% of the profits will be for her. Yeah. So, if you can find someone to do that, that's, that's the best thing. And then, you know, just market it like crazy. Hope someone picks it up. But Audible and um, even um, Google Play, all yeah. of these um, audio platforms are, I mean, they're huge and they're only getting bigger. And so it's a great yeah. place for authors to have their books if they can afford to get them in that format. So how, let me ask you, how long do you think one of your, um, your short stories would be? Like if you did Night at the Inn. I, that one is actually on audio. Um, okay. That one is 30 minutes. And I okay. think, I want to say it's about 5,000 words. Okay. Maybe not okay. even. Um, but that's the one that I have in audio and that was kind of done as a sample to, with, with, with the, um, voice actor that I wanted to use. Okay. And I, you know, I paid a few hundred dollars for that. Um, but it's only 30 minutes. And so it gives a really great, it's a really great product. Um, it's on audible. It's on, it's, it's everywhere. Um, find a way voices distributes it. And so okay. that, that little book here, this one. Uh -huh. This is my bestseller, like of all my books, because it's so short and it sells the most on the table. Lizzie Borden is very recognizable. Yep. And in the back, you know, are the. And, and, and can I can I just take some ownership? I was getting to that. Um, so I I was not going to write this story ever because I was only going to write romance. And then Laura comes to me and says, hey, you want to write for my anthology? And I'm like, eh, I don't like scary stuff. She's like, well, just try it. It'll stretch your creative. And I was like, I do like ghost That's stories. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, just try it. Just try it. And I'm like, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, where do I find inspiration? And then I realized my mother is named after her Aunt Judy, 
Borden, who married into the Borden family from Fall River, Massachusetts. <laughs> and, and for years, for decades, they would not acknowledge that they were that they were related because you had because Lizzie's dad was so awful that none of the family wanted to be associated with him. And so, you know, you kind of, when that happens in families, you break off and you're like, oh, you're related to those Bordens? No, we're not related to those Bordens. And so it was like, you know, a hundred years later that they finally admit, oh yeah, there's a family connection. And so, um, yeah, my, both sides of my family, um, go back to, you know, Fall River, Massachusetts. And, um, yeah, it's just so, you know, I'd known Lizzie Borden, you know, forever. And, um, I don't know if you can hear that muffler, but that is my 18-year-old neighbor rubbing up his uh, his sports car. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so no, this was so fun. And so I did this for, for a thrill of the hunt, Urban Legends Reimagine. I got it over the shoulder right yep. here. So Urban this is the book the story was in that Laura did with um, Palmas Press, Palmas Publishing. And that was my first um, anthology that I was in. And I realized I loved writing the short stories. And so now um, the characters in here, Will and Emma, um, I brought them back in last year's, um, last year's one, um, Night in the Passage. It was Buried Alive theme. And that is going to be published sometime this month. I just have to, I'm adding, I'm adding um, a romantic scene at the end. And okay, then good, good. I was going to say, because that's up the beginning a little bit. Yeah. You know, poor Will, you know, he's tried for two books now to propose to his girlfriend and it's, he just doesn't get the opportunity. <laughs> so wait. every time he goes to this, you know, these places where it's like perfect scenery, perfect moment, there's some mystery he has to solve. So are they going to be in cabin fever? They will be in cabin fever. <laughs> well, Will will be, I'm not sure if Emma will be. She's, she's kind of busy right now. She's got some of her own things going on. Okay, um, okay. But we'll we'll be back for the cabin fever story, and that is a night in the cabin. So we'll have a night at the inn, a night in the passage, and a night in the cabin. Outstanding! Um, I'm looking so, forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm th I've started writing it, and Emma is she's she's there. She's on the phone with the character who's staying in the cabin. Um, but I don't know if she'll make an actual appearance because I have her tentatively somewhere else in another story for the time that that story is going to take I place. Gotcha, I so gotcha. I've been trying to figure out how to make it so she's available to be in Maine at this time okay. when she's otherwise in Massachusetts. All so right. Fair enough. We'll see. But she's definitely on the phone. Um, right. and so, so you definitely have a lot of projects going on. You have a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. I know you had to fit in this interview in between other stuff. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how I am right now with trying to fit stuff in. I have so many more uh, podcasts um, to set up and I have some in the can already. And it's, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today on Legion of Rogers podcast. It's um, been a pleasure. I always love talking to you. A blast. This was a lot of fun. And thank you all for uh, listening to the Re Legion of Writers podcast. I hope you keep following. Follow Carrie Evelyn. I'll be placing her links in there and you have a chance to win one of her books. And um, if you can, please stay safe and peace. <laughs> <laughs>